Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 18 of the Breakthrough Asia College Career Club's 50 Shades of Pink podcast. I'm your host today, Manya, and we are privileged to have Ms. Emilia Sharif to join today's sessions. Emilia will be sharing her career journeys, the ups and downs, and everything in between with us today. On behalf of the BAC Career Club, I would like to express our deepest appreciation for Ms. Emilia taking the time to join us today. Before we start, Ms. Emilia, could you please give our listeners a brief introduction about yourself? Sure. Hi, Mania, and hello, hello everyone. It's good to be here. My name is Emilia Sharif. Um, people call me M. I'm 33 years old this year. I am currently the CEO of the Malaysian Institute for Debate and Public Speaking, MIDP. I am also the managing partner at Speak Up Malaysia. Great to meet you, Emilia. It's nice to meet you too. Without further ado, let's get started with our first question. It is no secret that inspiration drives a person to pursue their goals. Emilia, can you tell us what inspired you to pursue a career in the industry you are currently in? Well, honestly, the way I ended up in MIDP is a bit of a, a coincidence. Um, I was previously a lawyer. I was a law student. I studied law. And then when I finished law school, actually, I was not sure if I wanted to be a lawyer. Um, I was a bit not convinced um, with the career path um, because law school was a bit of a 50-50 for me. Um, but a lot of my seniors said, you know, just try and do your chambering and see how you feel. Uh, but when I did my chambering, I absolutely fell in love with legal practice. It was not at all like what I imagined it would be based on my experience in law school. Um, I really, really, really liked practicing. I was doing um, civil litigation. I was also doing a bit of corporate advisory work. Um, and then somewhere along the way, I had to leave the um, the job because um, I had to go and serve my scholarship bond. So in this capacity, I became the risk and compliance officer um, in a multinational organization based here in Malaysia. And then somewhere along the way, um, I was involved to help MIDP with some pro bono work um, at the time. So by the time I was finished with it, um, they actually offered me a position to come and take over uh, MIDP as the CEO. I was, again, a little unsure at the time because it was very different from what I studied and what I was doing. But I think a career in education has always been something that I'm interested in because not because I'm generally passionate about education, but because I think soft skills play a major role in my life personally. Like I came from a very humble background. Um, I couldn't speak English really well when I was a kid. Um, when I went to law school and everyone was sort of like speaking really well. So I, I asked some of my friends, hey, like, you know, why, how could you speak English so well? Like you were so confident when you were presenting in front of the class and all that. And then this boy, very obnoxiously so, he said to me, oh, well, I'm a debater, you know. Um, and then at the time, I was like, well, you know what? Maybe I should, I should join debating. Maybe I should become a debater myself. So I joined debating and I think, fast forward to many, many years later, debating absolutely changed my life. Not just that I learned how to speak English. I also learned how to present myself. I learned how to um, arrange my thoughts in a coherent manner. I learned that um, there are always different sides to a particular opinion and to never get offended when people disagree with you. Um, and I learned so many things, basically, that's extremely, extremely valuable. 
So when the opportunity came for me to serve as the CEO of MIDP, I wasn't thinking about, oh, I really like um, education, you know, but what I was thinking is more like, well, you know, debating changed my life and I would not be the person that I am today had it not been for debating. Um, and I would not get the opportunities that I get today if it's not for debating. So I said yes in, in, in that regard. Um, I wish that the work that I do will continue to provide platforms to other students out there and that hopefully one person out there will benefit from, you know, debating and public speaking or storytelling or poetry or model United Nations, whatever it is, um, the same way that I have benefited from it. So that's why I essentially said yes to MIDP. Thank you for sharing your amazing story of inspiration. I hope it also inspires our listeners to explore different areas beyond their comfort zone. Moving on, as a female CEO of MIDP and managing partner of Speak Up Malaysia, you must have faced some tough obstacles in your journey. Can you tell us about some of those challenges you've encountered during the start and throughout your career? And what advice you have for upcoming talented individuals in this field? Mm, that's a very good question. Um, I think in terms of challenges, now that I'm in a leadership role, I would say the, the toughest part about being a leader for me will always be managing people, um, regardless of who you are, what your background is. Um, because people are not homogenous. They come from different backgrounds. They have different styles of speaking, different styles of working, um, different preferences when it comes to work as well. Some people are very, very productive in the morning. Some people like to do, to do their work at night, you know. Um, so when people are just so different and they have different preferences and different attitudes, for me, managing people will always remain as one of my biggest challenges, but not to say challenges in, in, in a bad way. It's just something that I have to constantly, um, you know, put at the back of my head. It is something that, you know, I care about. So it's something that I think about a lot. Um, so managing people for me is the primary and number one role for you as a leader. Um, a lot of people think that when you are a leader, your job is to drive performance. Your job is to get a certain um, KPI, right? Your job is supposed to, you're supposed to get a certain target, be it financial or otherwise. But that's actually wrong. Your primary role, your primary concern as a leader should always be the team, should always be the people that you manage. And together, collectively as a team, then you can drive the performance, right? It doesn't work if you think of your people or your team as, just this workforce that you can just get the most out of, so to speak. It's always about empowering them. It's always about making sure that they are facilitated, they are mentored, they are guided, and they are provided the tools and the resources that they need to do the job in the best way possible. And for me, um, that may sound straightforward, but that is actually the trickiest part of my job. Um, so I would like to start with that. Um, and then, of course, there are like other kind of challenges like barriers. Um, as a woman, of course, there are certain barriers that I face um, in my line of work. Um, I have gone to so many events where people just assume that I'm like not the CEO. Um, I have been ushered out of my seat because people assume that the CEO is a man or perhaps they're expecting someone older than me. Um, I have people ask me that all the time. I've attended meetings and people say, oh, can you can you take notes uh, pointing at me, um, thinking that, um, you know, I'm not the person who's supposed to be chairing the meeting. And then, you know, when I clarified, I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, my name is Emilia. I'm actually supposed to be chairing this meeting. But you know, I don't mind taking the notes like, yeah, sure, I'll do it. 
um, and then everyone will be like, oh, no, 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 sorry, you know, like, um, so of course, there are things like that as well that happens. For me, that's not even, how do I say this? Like, if it happens, it doesn't even phase me anymore. It's just, I, I just expected it. It's just, it's just a part of my day to day. Of course, sometimes it's about the age. Um, a lot of people will make a comment. Sometimes they will correspond with me over email first, or maybe they have a phone call with me. And then when we finally meet, they're like, are you Amelia? I'm like, yes. And then you could see like their expression changes or like the way they talk to me changed, you know? Um, and I've also heard people making a comment like, oh, you know, this stakeholder is a little challenging. Perhaps we should send someone older, um, to, you know, to talk or to, 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 do this, to, do, to do this particular presentation and whatnot. So of course, there are barriers like that for me on my day to day. I try not to let it affect my work in a sense that I've sort of like, train my brain to let it just move past me so if someone were to make a comment about that uh, or if someone were to doubt my capabilities because of that I will just sort of like smile and I'll just move forward Um, I will not engage I will not acknowledge it I will not dignify it with a response so I've sort of like trained myself to just I don't know like move past it you know um, in, in a way that is graceful so I can just go on to the work that I actually wanted to do. So there are those kind of barriers as well. Um, and then of course, there, there are other kinds, all sorts of challenges when you talk about doing a business in a pandemic or a post-pandemic world. Um, I think those would be similar to any kinds of businesses. Um, you know, it, it's just very hard um, leading an organization through so many changes and adapting to so many changes as well. Um, so that is also something that Sometimes I struggle with that I have to ask for help, ask for guidance. Sometimes my team come to me and I have to say things like, I'm sorry, I'm not sure. I have to find out and I'll get back to you, right? Um, I think all of those things are like some of the challenges that I face on, on a day-to-day basis. So hopefully that sheds some light into what it's like leading an organization for those of you listening out there. Thank you, Emilia. It's really kind of sad to hear that here are some of the challenges you face, especially being discriminated just because of your gender and appearance and also and whatnot. But you have managed to cope with all the challenges and just such a high accomplishment. That's really really amazing. And kudos to you, Emilia. So thank you um, so much. Thank you. And what about like uh, some of the advice you would like to give you know, upcoming talented individuals to enter this field? Mm. Um, another good question honestly if you want to run your own organization you want to start something on your own perhaps you're passionate about a certain social justice cause or even if you want to be employed even if you just want um, to have um, a job where you perhaps work in consultancy or you want to work in a law firm or if you want to work in a hospital it doesn't matter for me what your aspirations are the, my number one advice will always be you need to develop resilience in whatever it is that you do. Um, resilience so to say that there will be so many things that life will throw at you. Um, like in my line of work, for example, I would say 100% of the time I'm dealing with some kind of a challenge or some kind of a problem because my team would come to me when they're facing certain, certain kind of challenges or difficulties, right? 
So 80% of those challenges are things that I can, you know, quickly solve and then I can move on, right? Oh yeah, like that. Okay, this is how you do it. Okay, great. Let's brainstorm. Or someone asked me, I'm like, I'm, I'm contemplating between two options. What do you think? And then you have a conversation. You ask them what they think. And then you can sort of like very quickly troubleshoot and sort of like make a decision. That's like 80% of the time. And then you will have, I mean, of course, at the same time, these include things that you just can't sort of like solve. A lot of the times it thinks you have to adapt to because not everything is within your control, not everything you can solve. So certain things you just have to adapt. For me, that's a part of the problem solving as well. Um, but the 20% of the time, would be things that are just so challenging that they don't just sort of like keep you awake at night, but they would also be problems that will make you question yourself, that will make you ask yourself like, can I really do this? Am I really fit to run this organization? Like, am I ready? Like, am I making a mistake? Like, is this whole thing, am I am I sort of like ahead? Like, yeah, I don't know. Like, you know, like sometimes you think you're, 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 you exaggerate what you think you can do, right? So of course, there will be moments like that. And for me, it's very, very important to develop the resilience that those thoughts may come, but they're like fleeting thoughts, right? They're like, and you're like, no, no, of course I can. If I put my mind to it, if I put my efforts into it, if I put, um, you know, my work into it, then of course I can, I can get past it, right? So for me, the 20% of the time is when it gets really hard because these are not just problems that you can solve. They are problems that are just so challenging. You question the very yourself, like right? you, you question whether or not you can do this. So for me, it is very, very important to trust and to be confident. And this is something that I say all the time. People ask me, how are you this confident? What makes you so confident? And my answer is, well, it, it's a little bit of a like weird answer because I, the way I'm confident is because I change my understanding of what being confident is. So for me, being confident is not to trust in your abilities to do something right. But instead, confidence is to trust in your abilities that when you get it wrong, not if, but when, because you will get things wrong. That's expected so when you get things wrong confidence is your ability or your trust in yourself that you will be able to get back up and try again and fail better next time so in a way because of that I don't expect myself to get everything right so I take away the fear of failure out of the equation so for as long as I'm making a decision based on a certain data um I'm aware of the amount of risks I'm taking I'm, I'm being very aware of um, the kind of considerations that I'm taking into account, things that I'm not willing to take into account, things that I'm willing to negotiate, things that I'm not willing to negotiate, right? As long as I'm clear about those things, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to do it. And I'm okay with failing. I'm okay with making a mistake. I'm just going to come back and I'm just going to do better. So for me, for anyone who wants to do something like this or anything really in your life that will make you question whether or not, am I good enough to do this? Um, am I ready to do this? For me, you just have to remember that you have to be confident in yourself not to get it right, but you have the resilience to get back up and to try again. And that one mistake is not going to define who you are as a person, right? Um, so for me, that is very, very important. So that would be my advice number two. Number one is to be resilient. Number two is to trust in yourself that, you can pick yourself back up. And number three, my advice would be to 
sometimes be stubborn. Um, a lot of people will tell you that certain things are not good ideas. Things that you want to do, people will just generally be like, oh, I don't think that works. Or, well, you know, we, we explored that um, like two years ago, like not sure if, I don't think we should do it right now. So this is not to say to ignore all forms of advisors, of course not. Um, but sometimes if you will have this feeling, right? I really want to try this. Like I'm researching into it. I'm looking into it. I've done my market research. I've I've sort of like spoken to my stakeholders. I've gotten the information. I know it's risky, but it's a risk I'm willing to take. In those situations, you have to do it anyways. Because you have to remember, if you want to do something, if you want to be somewhere that most people aren't, you have to be comfortable with doing things that most people aren't comfortable with doing as well. So taking risk is extremely, extremely important. If you're not going to take risk, you're just going to end up being average. So that's why I said, be stubborn every once in a while. Follow your heart, follow your gut feeling. If it feels right, um, you know, if you feel like you've done the research and the homework, it's something you want to try, please go ahead and do it. Because guess what? If you fail, it's fine. You just, go, you just can try again next time, right? So those would be my three advice for people who wants to explore something like this. Thank you for sharing your kind advice. So to sum up, to be resilient, to trust yourself and be stubborn. So taking risks. This is the advices that Miss Emilia would be giving to my uh, our listeners. And I'm sure our listeners will find it helpful and motivating. In addition, is there anything our listeners can do to implement changes and bring positive impact into this industry? Hmm. I mean, I've been speaking a lot about MIDP, so I want to shift the conversation a little bit and talk about Speak Up Malaysia. So Speak Up Malaysia, basically we do consultancy work, right, that focuses on workplace ethical issues and ethical dilemmas. So mostly we work with organizations to deal with things like diversity, quality and inclusion. Uh, we work on things like um transformative cultures. We work on things like multi-generational leadership strategies. Um, also issues like workplace bullying, like sexual harassment, um, discrimination, all sorts of different um, ethical issues that, you know, are plaguing the, the, work, the workplaces today. Um, and I think when it comes to uh, like exploring a certain industry, like for me, Speak Up Malaysia is a little unique because I've always been, so unlike education, right, that I was sort of like got into by coincidence, um, gender is always something that I have, you know, I've always been passionate about it. Um, even when I was young, like I was raised by a single mother um, and I have two sisters and they are all strong, very opinionated women. And, you know, they are such go-getters in life. So I've always sort of like, so my thought process has always been like, oh, women are strong and women do things and women get things done, right? So it was a little bit jarring. Like when you go to school, for example, and you always see the girls, like when I was in primary school, always like given the secondary role. Um, and that was unusual for me because I live in a household where my where my mother is the head of the household, right? And when you know when I started asking questions, oh, why does you know a, a girl will can only be like night to a class and never the head of the class in itself, right? Um, you know your teacher would say something like, oh, because you know the boy will be the head. Um, and then you will, you know, the, the girl will have to be like the, the vice, the president, uh, the vice president or something like that. Right. So it, it's always been something that was very jarring to me growing up. 
Um, so I know I've always been passionate about it. So of course, I didn't have the language to call myself a feminist until, not until I joined university. But I think these are the kind of issues that I've always been aware of. Um, I know that my expectations are different from my um, male um, friends, um, that they are allowed to go out and play and you know just be rough and um and all of that is okay and it is acceptable like but I can't even sit a certain way because it's not polite like I I hope I have to always sit a certain way close my legs or cross my legs and something like that right so that has always been something that really 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 bothers me like I think that is to put it in the in the mildest way possible um and then of course you go you go to work and then you see the same things um, and then you see just the different treatments um, that women get, right? Um, this is not to say that men out there are just out, you know, trying to, I don't know, out there to get women. That's not what I'm saying, right? What I'm saying is that the world is designed by men due, by certain patriarchal standards and patriarchal cultures and patriarchal norms and is designed not to accommodate to women in leadership position, is designed not to accommodate to women in public spaces, it's not designed to accommodate to women who speaks up their minds and you know occupy these spaces and and generally be present as present as men right so because of that there, there are barriers that that we have to sort of like go through things that we have to push through and things like that so for me getting into this kind of industry for example like I wouldn't call it an industry even because it is something that's very close to my heart so if you are passionate about something like that for me like follow your heart um but when it comes to advocacy, um, it is a marathon. It is not a sprint. It takes such a long time to change the world. It takes such a long time to even change one piece of legislation. When I was involved with the um, drafting and um, lobbying for the anti-sexual harassment bill, which is now has been passed as an act, um, you know, when I was first involved, I was like, yeah, how long is this going to take, right? A few years tops. But it took eight years of my life just being involved with that over and over again, doing the same things over and over again, answering the same questions over and over again. And then, of course, at the same time, sometimes you have to review the way you do things. You have to change your approach, do something differently, find a new strategy, do more research. Of course, those things you have to do at the same time. But honestly, when I first got into it, I didn't expect it was going to take us eight years just to see that change. Um, and eight years is a short time. They were like older feminists that have been involved for like 20, 30 years before they see the change finally happen. So if you're interested in, in, in doing something like that, my best advice is develop the stamina for it. You have to be patient, pick your battles. You need to be willing to come to the tables and make negotiation. That is never ideal for a feminist or for any activist really because you never want to go to the table and make concessions or make negotiations and what you consider fundamental rights. But activism, unfortunately, when you deal with like lawmakers um, and, and structures, there needs to be certain give and take so I did not expect that when I first started as well, but that is something I learned along the way. So you have to develop the stamina for it, be willing, keep your mind open, understand that people come from different places and just try to push for the best possible outcome. Speak your battles um, and hopefully that will lead to a change and hopefully that change will lead to a bigger change and that will snowball to a better effect that will lead to like the better Malaysia that we all wanted.
Thank you, Amelia, for sharing your invaluable insights. Bringing change, changes in certain industries or areas will certainly take a really, really long time. And I'm sure our listeners will take note of that and may be interested to join Speak Up Malaysia to bring some positive changes to Malaysia as well. Yeah, that would be, be good. That would be interesting. <laughs> But speaking of the gender issue, I totally agree with you, Miss Amelia, because I have certain experience with that during my secondary school. It wasn't actually happening on me, but the, the important role in school, like something like the head of the prefect, the Ketua was always, always taken by uh, like a male student, even though there are some other capable, more capable female student out there, but, stu- but the teacher would always pick female student, um, I'm sorry, male student, even from other classes that are not so top class, you know, but they still wanted that. So <laughs> that makes me you know, kind of realize that the issue actually happens even nowadays, even in such modern days. Yeah, yeah. that is absolutely correct. I mean, if I can add on something to that, Mania, I mean, okay. I mean, I have to say when it comes to like gender and activism surrounding gender, right, it's important to remember that it is not battle of the sexes. It's not battle between the genders, right? Um, I have seen women who are foot soldiers of the patriarchy, for example. So I've seen um, people, regardless of what their gender identity is, um, believing in certain really harmful ideas. I have seen people internalizing certain discriminatory things, certain biases themselves, right? Um, so when it comes to changing the world, I like to say that you need to look at the problem as the problem. But the moment you start thinking like, oh, this group of people is the problem, and therefore we are not going to talk to these people, they are the enemy, then it's no longer advocacy um, because advocacy by nature is inclusive, right? You change the world when you include as many people in that movement as possible. And that is a really, really important for me insight that, that I had to learn because you, you can't be in activism if you don't inherently believe that people are capable of change. If you think that once a person makes one single mistake, oh, that means they're the most horrible human being ever and, you know, let's cancel this person. I'm never going to, like, work with this person ever again. That is, for me, the antithesis of advocacy because advocacy believes that people should be given a chance to change their views and change their minds and become better human beings, right? So otherwise, why would we be working on advocacy? Because we're trying to not... We're not trying to talk to people who are already believing in the same things as we do. We're trying to change minds here. So believing that people are capable of change is extremely, extremely important. And to make sure that advocacy is always inclusive, not pointing fingers. Um, That is not to say you can't analyze a problem. Of course, certain problems can be segmented into certain demographics, for example, but not excluding them from the process is the point I'm trying to make here. Yes, advocacy is certainly inclusive. We are not aimed at pointing a finger at our male friend. It's just we are trying to fight some of the issues that are currently happening. Moving on, Emilia, can you share with us some of your career goals that have been pursuing for now? (laughs) You know, when you first showed me this question, I was a bit nervous because you know, goals is difficult because for me, once it becomes your goal, you have to develop the plan to sort of like, try and achieve it right 
Um, so goals, I mean, I have something that I developed for myself. Um, I have something that I developed for my organization, for my team. Um, but I wanted to share something that a goal that I will always have for myself. And this is going to sound a little cheesy. So please forgive me. Um, for me, it's important as a human being to always constantly have a goal where you want to be a better person. Um, no matter where you are in life, you always must want to be a better person. Like, because it's a journey. Like today, whatever we're talking about might be woke, might be like the in thing. Wait 10 years, 20 years, when the new generation comes and they will tell all of us that the way we've been thinking is wrong. It's, not, it's no longer acceptable. At, the, at that time, are we going to stand our ground and say, well, this is how we've been doing things all along. You're just a kid. What do you know? Um, let's just do things our way, right? Because we've been, I don't know, like leading the world. So are you going to be that kind of a person? Or are you going to say, you know what? That sounds interesting. Let's explore. I will learn your ways. And I will learn your perspective. And I will learn your point of view. So for me, wanting to co constantly be a better human being, be being a better person means that you must always be willing to understand someone else's point of view and the way this is important the way you disagree with someone says a lot more about yourself than it does about them so this applies especially in situation when they say the most horrendous unacceptable thing so for example someone could come up to you and say hey you know women shouldn't have equal rights because you know as I don't know, God has determined that, you know, women are meant to be mothers, stay at home and like be a wife and take care of their husband and take care of their kids. So that should be the role of women. So clearly we know that is wrong. But how are you going to engage with this person? If it's online, are you going to resort to being passive aggressive? Are you going to bully this person? Are you going to invite your other friends to cyber bully this person to make them feel ashamed of their opinion? Or are you going to engage as intellectually and as respectfully as possible? For me, that's important the way you disagree with someone especially when they are wrong not humiliating them that's important so that is a part of being a good person that is a part of being a better person because they, they're coming from somewhere you know they, they clearly have certain lived experiences that make them think that way although it is clearly wrong or at least in my opinion um, like I said the way you engage with this kind of things is very very important because it says more about yourself what kind of person are you are you a kind person are you tolerant how do you how do you treat people who come to you and say i disagree right because in any situation and this is something i encountered at work recently like someone can come to you and be like hey this is my experience with this i feel a b and c and i was involved in that and i feel x y and z right so does that mean my opinion is better or my feelings trumps his or her feelings it doesn't work that way it's like both exist together so the way you respect each other's opinions and feelings and emotions are also very important so that is also a part of being like a nice and kind person honestly I never say that I am a kind person but I always say I want to be a kind person because for me it's a journey uh, and I make mistakes here too like sometimes people make like a sexist joke and I laugh at it and then afterwards when I'm driving back I'm like hey that's actually sexist I shouldn't have laughed at that right sometimes sometimes it takes a while for you to learn too so for me not being I don't know not being judgmental in that sense is really important and again I have to stress this I'm not saying this because I'm perfect 
far from it. I'm seeing this because the more I grow up, the older I get, the more I realize I just have so much to learn. And the most important thing at the end of the day is what's in your heart, how you treat other people and trying to be kind is the number one goal that everyone should have. Um, no matter who you are in life. And then from there, you can develop like some other goals, perhaps five years from now, maybe, I don't know, I want to um, I want to pass certain laws. Maybe I want to have another organization. Maybe I want to reach a certain revenue target. Maybe I want to have a certain um, financial or non-financial target. For me, all of those things are secondary. But what I would most absolutely like to do in life to just constantly be a better person for myself and for those around me. And yeah, I hope that I'm not saying this because I feel like, you know, I just generally feel like the world could use that perspective a lot more than it could use um, ambitions that just drive us to do whatever we want at the expense of other people. So I would like to say that should be my, that is my my primary goal. Great to hear that, Amelia. And I believe all of us, including our listeners, would strive to become a better person. So this is our common goals that we share. Okay, as we near the end of today's session, may I know what's your proudest moment or accomplishments in your career so far? Mm. Okay, so MITP recently won an award, um, an industry leadership award. I think I was really proud of that. Um, this is recent, like I think it was like three, four days ago. I haven't even posted on my social media yet because I don't have time. Um, I will perhaps tomorrow. Um so I was really proud of that. I was really proud of my team um, because honestly, they're like the most resilient bunch. They You throw anything at them and they have such a great mindset at it. You know, like they will, like they have such great teamwork. They'll come and they'll say like, it's okay, we'll figure it out together. Even when sometimes I'm a little overwhelmed, my team is always sort of like, I don't know, my backbone, my pulse. Um, so I'm always very proud of my team for that. Um, I'm very proud of the day that I was actually appointed CEO. It was not easy getting there. Um, there have been some personal struggles getting to that point, which I guess is a story for another day. Um, but trying to constantly prove yourself that, you know, I can do this. Give me a chance. Give me a, give me a chance. I can do this. You know, I already am doing the work anyway. Like, give me a chance, right? So going through that and finally getting that recognition, I think I was really proud of that. But if I were to talk about that, I have to talk about my final proudest moment that I will mention here. And that is the moment I realized that I don't really need external validation to feel proud. So there, there are a lot of times when, honestly, it's not even like a big thing. It's not even like a, a big deal. It could be like, I'm having a horrible, horrible week. It could be like a really tough week. Nothing goes my way. Um, you know, it could be me in, in front of my computer and just ending the week and feeling so proud of myself because I didn't give up, you know, like I I, I continued on um, no matter how hard things get. And perhaps I'll stop and I'll cry here and there and call my friend or maybe call my sister and complain about things. But the point is you get back in and you try and you try to complete it as best as possible. And I think those days will be the days that I will always proud of, no matter, I don't know, what what awards, what appointments, what recognition I get, because it's a, it's a, it's testament to, to what I've grown to become. And I hope that, you know, for all of you who are listening out there to always believe in yourself, 
uh, in a sense that you're not perfect and that's fine. You make mistake and that's fine. Um, your journey is long and it may be difficult and guess what? It's fine because at the end of the day, it's what you want. It's what you put your mind to um, and there may be bad days, but it will be worth it. I promise you that it will be worth it. Put your mind to it and just keep going at it. One day you will you will look back at it and you will smile and you will laugh and you'll be very glad that you took the journey. It is really amazing to hear all your impressive achievements, Amelia. You're such a remarkable female role model and we are so proud to have you on the podcast today. Time flies when we are having a great conversation. Before we end, Ms. Amelia, if you could leave our listeners with one memorable message, what would it be? My memorable message, wow, this is tough. My memorable message would be um, I guess I'll just summarize some of the things I've shared. Be kind, be kind to yourself, be kind to others, be confident. And that is to trust in your abilities that when you fail, you can get back up and you will try again and you will feel better. That's it from me. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, Emilia. It has been an enlightening session and I personally learned a lot from your story and I'm sure our listeners did too. Once again, on behalf of the BSC Career Club, thank you for taking the time to join us today. We hope to celebrate the career journey of women in every industry throughout this podcast series. It was a, it was a pleasure to be your host today. Thank you.